Hi, welcome to Hot Off the Steam, a student-made podcast devoted to informing you on everything related to STEM fields. Our host, Nakaya, interviews professionals to bring you the latest career advice and opportunities right here in the KC area. Whether it's IT or new vaccines, all our information is sure to be hot off the steam. Hello, my name is Nakaya Woodley, and I'm here with Dr. Donna Pachika, as well as Dr. Dale, Dale Jarka. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, thank you. All right. Um, so what is your guys' current jobs, and how did you really get into it? Okay, well, I can start. I started because um, my, I like to tell people when other little girls were playing with dollhouses, I was building dollhouses because my father, I wanted three girls. My father was a maker and I just loved playing in his woodshop and I would use all the tools, although I would not use the circular saw because it would still scare the living daylights out of me. And at that point, the drills were really very heavy. So I would use the drill press rather than any kind of electrical drill, but I was using saws and hammers and nails and thought it was pretty darn good and got into uh, high school, undergraduate, and really liked medicine, but then I decided I really liked orthopedics. And as they say, the rest is history. So as for me, um, I started out my path and uh, my career path uh, wanting to be a, uh, an Egyptologist. And my very sensible mom said, well, how are you going to support yourself? And so the next year I was going to be a nuclear physicist. So the, question, the, the idea that, you know, you got to be able to, that's a good hobby, but how are you going to support yourself? And I'm thinking, all right. And then I read this article um, in the Reader's Digest neurosurgeon who was doing these really interesting experiments, transplanting monkey heads onto other bodies. So and being able to keep the brain alive. And I was like, oh, wow, I want to be a neurosurgeon. That's super cool. And I was going to basically that was fifth grade. And I was going to be a neurosurgeon throughout. And then I got into college. And at some point, I was reading a book that was written by a neurosurgical resident. And it was really depressing because everybody <clears throat> was dying or, you know, in a coma forever or, you know, stroked out, whatever, just nobody got better. And it was really depressing. So I, I, I knew I was going to be in medicine and I really wanted to be a surgeon because I was all about, you know, fixing things. And then I discovered orthopedics my first year of uh, medical school. I happened to be in um, involved in uh, the surgery observation program and got to go in and see an arthroscopy. And I was hooked. And so doing some research in ortho um, and got into residency and uh, then found my, wealth, my way into pediatrics as well as research and the rest is history. So what projects are you guys working on right now? There's all sorts of projects. We'd say projects like there's, we do all sorts of, there's all sorts of improvement projects within our practice. There's research projects. There's like a, a pile of things going on. So I don't know, Dale, you want to hit this one first? Well, I'm more on the administrative side of the projects. I want to work on streamlining how our orthopedic clinic works from, you know, getting scheduled to getting out the door. It's, um, it's a daunting task, but we have to make it so that we can get our patients in and out and everybody is much happier. So that's my current most pressing project. Yeah, from a, a quality improvement standpoint, I'm working on in the orthopedic department, trying to maximize our usage of time, um, as well as trying to make sure that everybody knows what equipment we have at one given at any given moment, especially when we're doing traumas on the weekends. From a research standpoint, um, I'm working on several projects. Um, the one that I'm really most um, excited about is our single cell research. So we're using samples um, that have been basically 
we're going to be thrown out and we're just taking this discarded tissue from the operating room and being able to digest cells out of the matrix or the tissue that's surrounding the cells. So we'll be able to get bone cells out, cartilage cells and things like that. And then we can take those cells and we can put them, float them onto a, a chip that will actually analyze their activity all at once. So you can put 10,000 cells on a chip uh, on the specific platform. And so basically we get um, lines and lines of data. This is like huge amounts of data that we're getting, but what's really cool is of different cells within those subtypes. Um, so for example, like an osteoblast, there's different kinds of osteoblasts that we're seeing and they have, are expressing different genes. So we're really just getting into this because essentially we're making the encyclopedic reference because there's just none of this data um, has been obtained through a lot of the human genome and human cell atlas projects because nobody wants to tackle bone because it's really hard. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Donna, do you want to talk about your involvement with G4K? Yeah. So, for kids. Yeah. So, so we, we started doing this and then, and I've, we've been doing this for a few, few years to kind of refine the process, but on the other side of it, the uh, hospital has an initiative called genomic answers for kids who have obvious problems, abnormalities, um, whether they have like, you know, uh, odd seizure disorders, or for example, in, in orthopedics, we have uh, kids who have um, some uh, mal congenital malformations. So they, they may have like an extra digit or they have uh, their, they dislocate their kneecap all the time and, and on both sides, or they have some growth abnormalities. And so we can um, enroll them in this study. And what they do is they take a DNA sample from the child as well as from parents and any related siblings that, that might have the same thing um, and then analyze that. Well, we're also working with them because we can take that tissue um, for some of these kids. It's in, like if we're being, again, being discarded in the operating room, we can roll the tissue as well. And so we're working with them on that, which is pretty cool. So hopefully we'll get some answers on some very common problems that we see in orthopedics. So is it kind of what you were expecting when you first like really went into it or like have you, is there any new surprises or anything like that? The, the whole thing for me was a surprise. I, I mean, I was the first person in my family to go to college. Uh, my mom had done like an associate's degree, like gone to secretarial school, which is was what people did back then. My dad worked uh, as a you know, landscaper contractor. So nobody in my family really had any idea about anything. So I sort of went to college and, you know, at that point, you know, there wasn't a lot of like you talk to people who were a year ahead of you, but you really didn't have anything. And, and everybody lies to you and they said, Oh, it's going to get better. I, I just kept hearing my whole life, Oh, it's going to get better. So I get, you know, I get through medical school, medical school, I'm getting my butt kicked. Um, and they're like, Oh, yeah, residency is going to get better. I get to residency and I was absolutely miserable, you know, because we were just working crazy hours and, and everything. And it's like, Oh, it's going to get better. You know, once you're in attending, I get to an attending, I'm working even harder. I'm like, What, where's the better? So it's not better, it's different. It gets different. Um, and there were a lot of things that I did not expect um, going through. And so I always make sure that now I tell people, listen, it's a lot of work and, and don't think that this is going to be really easy. You, like, like I said, you really got to want to do this to be able to do it. There are no slackers in this field. <laughs> if they are, they don't last. They don't get through. Yeah. And Dr. Jarka, what about you? You know, I, I thought it was about what I was expecting, you know, um, I can tell you in residency, and I'm sure other people have this too, you always have to put on your game face. You always have to show that you're strong. And there were some times I had some big self-confidence issues and I worked them out um, mostly on my own. But I think these days the faculty who are 
training us, who are supporting us, they have more resources to help us now than we did then. So I would like to think that it's not that the residency is any easier. It's not. But I think the support is better. I would agree. So based off of what you learned over time while going through this, through the certification, the education, everything like that, what characteristics would you like to see in future leaders in your field? There's the concept of grit. Grit means being challenged and persevering. It doesn't mean that it happens smoothly the first time. It may take several times, but it's grit, being able to set a task to yourself and work over the obstacles. I think um, two things. I think being sensitive to what other people are going through because their experience is different than yours. I've learned that a lot um, over you know, dealing with residents um, who come from different backgrounds in different areas. And so that's really, that's, I think it's really important for training people within the field. Um, so and being able to, to listen and learn from them. So When I'm working with residents, uh, you know, in the clinic, what I try to impart to them with, without articulating it is how to listen to the patient, how to talk to the patient, how to examine the patient, particularly in kids. If you have someone who has an area which is sore, they hurt themselves, you don't just kind of jump in on that area and start examining it. You have to establish trust with the child. In our case, it's a, ch it's a child. And with the family. So when I examine someone, I, I approach them, I will sometimes come out and talk to the resident and say, do you just see how I talked to the child first? I looked at the child. I addressed my questions to the child. Obviously, if you're dealing with a baby, that's not the issue. But if you have a child who can look at you and talk to you, I talk to the child. Obviously, the family's there, but, you know, keep in mind who the patient is, I would say. Um, so when it comes to the schooling that you guys had when it came to getting that certification, what school did you go to? Okay, so I am Canadian. I also have a U.S. citizenship. So um, I went to McGill University in Montreal, which is still top school in Canada. I just want to go on record. And I jokingly say that I have a property of McGill sticker and a serial number on my forehead because I was there so long. I did do my internship in a different city, um, but then I came back. So I did my high school in Montreal, and then in Quebec, we do this weird thing, which is a junior college before your undergrad degree, and I did that at one particular school. Then it was McGill for undergraduate, McGill for medical school, McGill for residency, although I did my fellowships in orthopedic oncology. I did that at KU for sick children, which is now called Sick Kids in Toronto. And I've been in Kansas City ever since. Dr. Pachiga? So um, I'm from New York. And if you hadn't been able to tell, uh, anyway, I uh, did my undergrad at Columbia University, played soccer there as well, which was very cool. And then I went to NYU for medical school and then did my uh, orthopedic residency at um, Albert Einstein Montefiore in the Bronx. So staying in the New York area and then did my pediatric fellowship at at Brown uh, Red Island Children's Hospital in um, in Providence, Rhode Island. 
And then I was in practice for five years at Boston um, Medical Center before I came out to Children's Mercy. So. So did you guys enjoy your classes while getting uh, in college, did, like, and while in that field? Oh, yeah. I love the science. Yeah. Well, except for love taking it. physical chemistry my senior year of college, which really sucked. Why, why did it suck? <laughs> because we had problem sets due every week, and I had practice, and so I wouldn't be able to get, you know, oh. like, our practice ran late, and then, you know, I wouldn't be able to get started on them until late, so it was just a lot of work. That's no. all. Sorry. Yes. What classes or courses would you suggest for them to take? Whatever, you, whatever excites you. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do biology. Do what excites you. Well, you do have to do biology because you have to do I mean, you don't have to do a degree med. in biology. So you need your pre-med requisition, yes, requirements requisitions. and everything. But um, yeah, I, I echo Dale. I think, well, I think, so I think things that are really good is thinking about classes where you learn how to write well. Um, thinking about classes where you learn how to analyze things, situations, thinking about classes that make you do things that are not comfortable, like, like speaking, like public speaking or things like that. So I think those are useful um, skills to have. And so that can help anybody be successful in whatever they do. So those are things that I would. And I can tell you, even for the medical school uh, process, they're not looking for people who, you know, or straight science all the way through. Right. So it doesn't, again, again, in addition to the prerequisites, do, do what, it, what excites you. And as Donna was saying, things that guide you in your thinking and your analysis. Although I have to admit, my favorite, favorite elective of all time was the physics of music. It was my cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, I took Italian my senior year. Wish I had taken it earlier, and it was great. That was cheating. You are Italian. I know, but I just know the bad words. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all dialect anyway. So that's true. <laughs> so going down even farther back just a bit in high school, what were the general tips that you would su like suggest for succeeding in high school? Don't peak in high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's okay not to be the star of everything in high school. I was the the chunky brain in high school. So life began for me after. So, you know, hang in there. I think for me, um, I was in a really small um, high school and, um, and I was, you know, working well ahead of a lot of people and a lot of my peers. But one of the things that was really awesome is I got to do this um, uh, enrichment science program on the weekend. So on Saturdays, I was um, in the science honors program and I met a pile of people there who were way smarter than me. Um, so at that point, the um, it was the Westinghouse science, science talent search. And, and there were like, you know, three Westinghouse winners, um, you know, in, in this group of kids. Um, it was it was uh, awesome because these were people that that challenged me to be to work harder and and like learn more and also um, have fun with it. So it was really it was great. It was like the biggest pile of like you know geeky science nerds. It was awesome. It was you know, but we had so much fun and learning different things. And it was great being in a class where you didn't have to have homework. You just learned for the sake of learning, which was awesome. And did they have fun experiments that you could blow things up, make things change color? No, no. But we we did we did have like a rat surgery experiment that was the, it was really <laughs> so one of the guys like the the rat was anesthetized and they were kind of going through how to like you know some some basic techniques and we were cannulating the aorta 
and um it was a sacrifice experiment by the way um but anyway the uh the, the one of the students like passed out and so what happened is the the instructors like you know freaked out and and then like nobody's watching the animal and the animal starts to rise so I'm sitting there like trying to hold the nose cone over the rat to keep it asleep so it doesn't crawl off with the you know it was bad <laughs> yeah I, I'm it's not I'm, a good uh, scenario <laughs> in my my the ninth grade biology class um, I remember we were dissecting a clam and you had to cut through the adductor muscle, which mm-hmm. is his breath. Yep. I didn't read all the directions. I guess I was bad at that sometimes. And I didn't read the part about cut through the adductor muscle against the shell. So I just cut through the adductor muscle and I realized I was making clam chowder out of the dam. So yeah. You know. Well, you know, the clam is tasty. <laughs> Enough seasonings and the right you know, cooking method. Yeah, possibly. Fast pace, fast favorite questions at you guys, just to get just ease the tension of everything. <laughs> um, so, what is your guys' favorite color? Lime green. Lime green, color of life. Doctor Pachika. Blue. Oh, favorite book. Ooh, ooh. <sighs> That's a oh. tough one. I, oh, like- I know. <laughs> Operating instructions: A Journal of My Son's First Year by Anne Lamott. Uh, Winter's Tale by Mark Halperin. I go back. Oh, to that you have that one. I love. I, I used to read that every year too. Yeah, it's that. just it's it's like it's an homage to New York City. It's like one. It is. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I have to I have to read that now. What's Again, I have it upstairs. What's your favorite quote? This was in my high school yearbook. A little laughter now and then is cherished by the best of men. It is a movie quote. I would say it's not tipping. I believe in it's over tipping from my blue heaven. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> a lot of other tips and quotes in our, our field too, which um, some of them we can repeat. Some of them we can. Hmm. Yeah. In orthopedics, you never look good taking on hardware. No. <laughs> the enemy of good is better. Yeah. Yep. Very much. Um, so what is your guys' favorite food or drink? Hmm. Butter tarts. Anything my husband makes. He's an awesome cook. <laughs> I agree. Her, her husband is an awesome cook. <laughs> and they do the Feast of the Seven Fishes at uh, Christmas Eve. It's pretty awesome. Yes. We don't be asking, what exactly are butter tarts? Like- oh, I'm glad you asked. It's a... <laughs> You know, you just like threw her a softball. (laughs) Okay. So it's a Canadian delicacy. Think of it as a little mini pecan pie, Mm -hmm. but take out the pecans and put in raisins. Hmm. It's it's ridiculous and it's awesome. (laughs) Uh, What is you guys' favorite childhood show? Lost in Space. Star Trek. Your experiences up to this point and your favorites or unfavorite moments, what would you say your dream job is? Hmm. I actually have a great job. I would say my, my dream job would be the one I have now 
with all the glitches that I'm working on solved. How's that? I would, I would second that and add in um, more time that I can spend in the lab. So if I could get an extra day of research. We just have to create the eight, eight um, day week for you, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> so how do you see your career evolving in the next 10 to 20 years? Well, you're catching me on the downslide, not downslide, but the, the uh, leveling out because I plan to retire in three years. I've been on staff here for 29. So mm. in, in 10 years, I'm going to be retired. I've got so many things on my plate that I'm going to be doing. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be one of those people who's going to say, oh, I didn't know how, much, how I got things done before I retired because I'm so busy now. That's my plan. <laughs> Yeah, for me, the big goals I have um, are to um, get to work on, basically get and hopefully um, work on and get a grant for the research that we're doing so that we can expand into disease processes. Also, um, I, I would love to figure out, um, I've been working with a, a group of people, an international group, looking at the developing knee um, and figuring out a way to model the knee through development. So one of the things that I see a lot of kids with um, knee injuries like ACL tears and the um, once you tear your ACL, you're sort of doomed to have arthritis the rest of your life. And if, is it, you know, what, whether there's something that we can do, can we design something, a brace that could potentially prevent ACL injuries or something, some kind of process to we understand it better, how the ligaments um, interact with the muscles, you know, can we use these models to try to help predict some of this um, analysis and data that we can get from um, the way people walk, you know, we have gait analysis or hospital. So, you know, can we come up with a way to prevent injury? I think that would be really huge. Um, I wouldn't mind doing less, doing fewer ACLs. So. Yeah. I'd like to um, have that not be on your list anymore take care of other problems. So any advice you would like to give students today about anything in general? Don't be afraid to dream big and don't be afraid to ask for help because, you know, nobody expects you to know everything and, and it can be really, uh, it can be really challenging, but be prepared to answer the questions when you ask for help in terms of like what things have you done and, and have it and have a plan of action once you get that. And I would say, I know it's really hard to say this to a young person to, but work toward being more secure in yourself and depend less on what other people say about you or think about you. They don't matter in the long run. So before we wrap up, would you guys like to have any last words or comments you would like to make? What we do, this is a hard, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a hard road to get, to get through. It's a lot of work, a lot of dedication, but this is truly uh, an unbelievably satisfying job um, that we do, we have a huge impact on our patients, huge impact on our families. You know, like I've, I've had kids where I've taken care of, you know, one kid with a fracture and then somebody else comes back in with another problem. And they're like, oh, Dr. Pachika, we're so happy that we got you, you know, that, you know, you took such great care of us. And it's so nice to be able to know that I have that kind of impact. Not only that, but I have former patients who are going into fields like, you know, physical therapy um, and uh, medicine and, and things like that. And it's directly as a result of the care that they got through our hospital. So it's really satisfying to know we can have that kind of impact on people. And I have a very satisfying part of my uh, area because I take care of a lot of infants with 
club foot deformity, which is a congenital deformity, but the foot's all twisted down and in. And when I first started practice, the standard treatment was did some stretching and castings, but we weren't do it, doing it right. And then we had to do this big surgery and it never turned out well, but we'd say, well, what do you expect? It's a club foot. But that's been completely turned, turned around. We do much, much less surgery and results are so much better. So I can see an infant at about a one month of age and I see them in follow-up over the years and they're doing fantastic. And that is supremely satisfying. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Casey STEM Alliance Hot Off the Steam podcast. Make sure that you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at STEMKC for the latest updates on new episodes and much more.